start rewarding yourself for doing the things you love with the Marvel MasterCard. Learn more at marvelmastercard.com slash twin. Earn 3% cash backs at comic book shops, restaurants, on digital streaming, and more. You also can earn 1% cash back on all of your other purchases as well. And with cash back paid as a statement credit, there's no limit to what you can earn. Marvelites, you guys will love this. I mean, look, you get access to over 27,000 digital comics with a free three-month subscription to Marvel Unlimited. Come on now, choose your card, and you got six different designs. You got to start earning today, y'all. Terms and conditions apply. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash twim to learn more and apply now. marvelmastercard.com slash twim. Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 451. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And this is Jason Marlagohart, a.k.a. JMI. Yes, James, I am so glad you're here because this is a JMI-packed week. Yes. I was going to say jam-packed, <laughs> and then my brain said JMI. It was like the wires got crossed in like a crash of sorts. But yeah, it works. It works. Yeah, I like that. It works. It works. It works. How you living? Man, I'm living well, man. Doing my thing. Enjoying every moment that I can. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yes. Before we started recording, you're like, yeah, we've been binging all this stuff like Chernobyl. And I was just like, no, <laughs> what? What is wrong? What are you doing? Yeah. Everything. The the world is on fire. Don't yeah, you I know. need something it, it, positive? It was so weird. We did. Uh, Netflix has some show called Myths and Monsters. So we did that. We did Chernobyl. We got into this really weird science moment. You know, my wife's a scientist. So we got to this weird science moment. So we went from watching this show about uranium and they went to Chernobyl, and so we ended up watching Chernobyl. So it was like this weird two-week period where Don and I were like straight in like, you know, the periodic table. <laughs> Just oh watching stuff blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched the show Solar Opposites on Hulu? No, but I, I've heard it's good. It's really, really good. It's like, it's by the some of the people who do Rick and Morty, and yeah. it's... It's- oh, wait, wait, wait. Yes. Yes, I have. I watched the whole thing. The kids were here. And we ended up, it finally hit me what you were talking about. You drinking more day. I was like, let me tell you something. That show is brilliant. We watched, we, we binge watched the whole thing in one night and I howled all night long. It was great. Yeah, it's real good. It's real funny. Uh, it's definitely something lighter. I've also been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 a ton lately. Yeah. That has been a wonderful escape for me. I've been on Disney Sorcerer's Arena for like three weeks. Just like trying to build up my team. I've never been on an RPG game before, but I'm addicted to this. I think because it's Disney. And once I, it like took me forever because all I kept trying to do was trying to get like all my favorite characters. So like I finally got Genie and I'm like, okay, now it's time to, you know, stop. But I can't <laughs> stop. It's really sad. Uh, you're a good company man and I very much appreciate it. I do that. my best, man. Yeah. I do my best. Uh, but look, you're listening to This Week in Marvel and we are going to talk about all kinds of stuff happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, whatever. And like I mentioned, this is a packed week. We've got a lot yeah. to talk about. And I'm very excited. Um, since we were just talking about video games, why don't we start? Because right about this time of the year, it's for a lot of us who are big video game people, it's E3 mm-hmm. time. Like E3 yes. would have just finished. And so it's there's a lot of excitement, and especially with new consoles coming this year. But there's no E3 this year. Fortunately, this week has been full of good video game hype. First things first, James... Why don't you take this top one? Because I'm sure this is a big one. Listen, I already have, I already love the original Spider-Man game for the PlayStation. But now we have Miles Morales Spider-Man game coming to PlayStation 5 this holiday season. I mean, this Christmas, 
it's over for me, man. Just don't call because I know where I'll be. The bad part is I got to finish the first game, but we won't talk about that. Oh, it's boy. a whole new it's a whole new story um, with the new Spider-Man new universe. It builds and expands on the original one, which you guys all loved. It was an award-winning game, but this time you guys get to play as Miles. So I am so excited. And this is this is going to sound crazy, but this is one of those moments where if this would have happened when I was a little kid. I think my head would have exploded to look up and see that there is a leading person of color in a in a Spider-Man suit in a video game. Our heads would have exploded. So I know the kids around the world are just losing it. So I can't wait to play this game. Uh, if anybody has not seen the trailer and everything, oh, go right now. It's on the Marvel YouTube. It's, it's on Marvel.com. It is amazing. I, I retweeted it. Some Someone out there remixed the Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales footage that they showed with the song what's up danger which is heavily used when miles finally puts on his his full suit in spider-man into the spider-verse yes yo that was so good it's um it's very exciting again this is coming holiday 2020 I'm, i'm gonna have my first uh father's day this year and yes my wife asked she's like so what do you want for father's day i was like fried chicken We're going to get some good fried chicken because I haven't had fried chicken in a long time. And I love fried chicken and a PlayStation 5. And she's like, (laughs) huh? And I was like, so we'll go get some good fried chicken and then we'll just hold the Father's Day gift to holiday. Yes. And like, so, so that's on the docket. That's what I want for my So only, so only toys in the house some for the baby one playstation 5 for dad yes and we're done that's what that's it that's, <laughs> that's all we need that's how holidays work that's all we need but th- like i said there's a lot of video game stuff so another cool thing is that marvel is now on twitch twitch.tv slash marvel finally it is uh, i'll be honest with you this is a journey that we've been on for years and i'm very excited that we're finally here and it's going to be cool there's going to be a whole bunch of different things that we're doing for our Twitch channel. I think for the launch, we're going to have artist Will Sliney, who has drawn a ton of comics, Star Wars comics, Spider-Man comics. He's doing uh, sort of like a live drawing of Marvel's Spider-Man for PlayStation 4, that suit. So it's going to be really, really cool. And then we're going to have Mark Sumerak, who's a writer of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. He's going to be doing a Let's Play on the channel. So we're going to be doing some fun stuff, and then there's even more to come. I'm, you know, I'm talking with the team and seeing what the plans are. You'll be seeing a lot of, you know, your regular Marvel folks and a lot of fun guests pop up on the Twitch channel as we uh, we grow it out. So make sure you give us that follow and, and check us out on Twitch.tv/Marvel. Very cool. I have a couple of friends who, uh, um, our, our boy uh, Xavier Woods is on. It has his own Twitch channel, and it's really fun to watch him either play games or sing karaoke. Uh- are you a karaoke guy? Yes, I won't lie. I am. I spent I spent the first two years when I was in college. I was really nervous. I loved singing, as I always have. But I was like nervous about trying new things. But I, for two years, I did karaoke every Saturday night. And if you you start experimenting, because everybody is so wasted that nobody's judging, so you just start doing stuff. So by the time of two years later, I was like, let's take it to the stage, you know, because <laughs> I was ready. I was like, like I tried everything. Oh, uh, Lorraine, uh, who's not here with us this week, she is a huge karaoke person she's always like let's do karaoke in the office and talking to people like girl i don't i don't like singing in front of people that's not my my thing at all you got it you got it you what's funny is it's one of those things man it's, it's kind of like skydiving you gotta just let go and just let the air take have you done skydiving hell no i'm scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was the best <laughs> just gotta let 
there go. Oh. So uh, now we have uh, three more games from Marvel as well as Arcade One Up. You may remember that awesome, this wonderful game called Marvel Superheroes or X Men Children of the Atom or the Punisher Arcade. Now they have them. There are three more games, two more with Capcom and one with Zen Studios. Come on, guys. These are the games. So that first one that you mentioned is the one that I have. It has Marvel Superheroes, X-Men Children of the Atom, and Punisher, and I love that. And then they told me about these other machines a while ago, and I was like, damn you, I don't have room in my New York City apartment for these. Because X-Men versus Street Fighter, I remember going to a bowling alley that had X-Men versus Street Fighter. Yes. And playing it, and it was dope as hell. It was so good. Then you add Marvel versus Capcom to it. Marvel versus Capcom, that is the one, because you have all the Marvel characters, but you have the Capcom characters. It's like, I just remember, I, I walked past it when I was younger and saw a Cyclops versus chung Li. And I was <laughs> yep. like, what is happening? Yep. So like, I, had, I had to get my money. And then you also get Children of the Atom in this version. But the one that's wild to me is X-Men Mutant Apocalypse, which is a Super Nintendo game that Capcom and Marvel did in like 1994. So that is... Yeah. That was not expected at all. It was like like a great addition to to what this cabinet has. And then there's even more. Then there's Marvel vs. Capcom Clash of the Superheroes cabinet, which also includes X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel Superheroes War of the Gems, and Marvel Superheroes vs. Street Fighter. I I don't know what... I, I'm not going to have any more money. I love this because it's, it's like, well, we're going to give you this one. It has the same game as this one. But if you want Marvel versus Street Fighter, how about you buy this one? And I'm like, yeah, I got to have that one, too. And then Marvel Superheroes War of the Gems was always really interesting to me. Yeah, what is that one? So that was another console game. That was So the Marvel Superheroes fighting game is the one that we played in the arcades. But then War of the Gems was like a side-scroller beat-em-up that because they couldn't really do the same thing they they sort of changed it and so it's similar but you're you're basically trying to do a quote unquote infinity gauntlet type storyline and that was on super nintendo as well and so yeah I, like you know i think so many fans are going to have all three lined up right next to each other yeah. these new ones and yeah. then the, the first one that they put out for sure uh, and then you got you even have one more i know i love this we have marvel pinball zen digital studios digital games comes with 10 preloaded titles uh, uh this is this is gonna be fun man yeah I, I love a pinball game and i love a themed pinball game at that so the zen pinball people put out, have been doing these marvel pinball tables for years for probably like eight ten years something like that on you can play them on xbox and playstation and all and all these places and I remember when the Spider-Man table first came out, Dan Slott put so many hours into that digital game. I think he got in trouble. Uh, Seriously? Yeah. Dan played that Spider-Man pinball so much. It was wild. I remember talking to him and one of our Marvel Games people about it back in the day. It was great. Well, listen, Dan is the reason why I got to write a comic. So, Dan, man, shout out to you, bro. The game is out. You could put it in your house. You could play as much as you want, and you probably won't get in trouble this time. So, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, there's no release dates or pricing or uh, full like more details about all those yet, but expect more of that stuff to come as we get further along into it. Oh, and speaking of comics you've written, I mentioned this on the show last week when we had Angelique Roche on, because we we were talking about the Marvel's Voices one-shot. Yes. Um, so Elizabeth, my wife, she's like six months behind on all her comics. She just read it, and she comes out uh, of reading it, and she's like, 
oh, I really love the story about the spider and and what it's doing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's real good. Did you see who wrote it? She's like, oh, no, I, who wrote it? And she goes in and she goes, it's James. And she, she loved it. She just absolutely loved it. She wanted me to tell you uh, how great it was. And, and I agreed. Tell us a thank you. Okay. Thank you. I will. I had the most fun doing that. So, yeah. I, you know, you never know. But it was great. I had a good time. Uh, all right, more video game stuff happening because Marvel's Avengers War Table is next week. That is a stream that you're going to be able to watch. It's June 24th. Uh, it's going to have new looks at gameplay, co-op, and more. just want to remind everybody, check that out. I think we're going to start to see and hear more from Marvel's Avengers soon, which is very exciting. I feel like, yeah. man, it's been years since I've been like hearing about this game and playing this game and seeing things mm -hmm. behind the scenes, and now it's like getting close. It's so close. And then on their social media, the team recently showed off Kamala's quote-unquote treehouse in the game, which is like her own personal space. Uh, you could see like this big Captain Marvel poster in there, which shows what Captain Marvel kind of looks like in the world of this game. She's got comics, she's got games, she's got statues. It's really cool. And they, they made the treehouse available as a video conference background. Oh, nice. Which is cool. You can go to at Play Avengers on Twitter, and they'll have a link there where you can go and you can download it and then put it in as your background. It's it's really pretty cool. I just have to figure out how to do that because uh, it's a video <laughs> background. It's, it's neat. It's a video background. Yeah. So it, like it's like a probably like three or four second looping video. Oh, nice. Yeah. I saw one dude who made a looping video of him giving himself a cup of coffee so it's a video of him where he's sitting and he comes yeah. in and he puts down a cup of coffee it's bananas it's wild that's awesome yeah. that's great very creative people in during quarantine one more video game thing to hit this week uh, marvel's iron man vr you can check out a new video of the game which i want to throw this in there because it shows a little bit of iron man versus ghost which looks dope it's really cool and again that comes out July 3rd, and you can buy a set of PlayStation VR with the game and get you everything that you need to get set up on your PlayStation 4 on July 3rd. It's going to be really cool. Have you played it? Have you played the demo? Yeah, yeah, I played the demo biz. It's it's great. It's really, I, really great. I, I, I was living. I was living <laughs> and living. I, I ended up getting PlayStation VR and started playing the demo and was like, I am Iron Man. Yeah. It's <laughs> so fun. What other games did you get for VR? I got Beat Saber. Yes. Which is just ridiculous. Yes. And uh, actually, I think those were the only two I got because the kids had Beat Saber and I wanted it. So I got that. And then I saw Iron Man. I was like, I have to have this. So Tetris Effect is amazing. Yeah. And it's like, you're like, Tetris in VR? It's going to change your life. <laughs> that is so good. And then uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission, I think it's called. Astrobot is so good. I think they're on sale right now, too, through like the summer sales. That, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to try Tetris because I did see it and I was like, Tetris, really? Oh, yeah, but yeah, okay, yeah. I'm with it. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. Unfortunately, on a sad note, we are remembering writer, editor Denny O'Neill, who passed away recently. I remember seeing Denny on like every different kind of documentary about comics, talking about working with Stan Lee and uh, working with Marvel. Um, thank you. Thank you, Denny, for, for what for what you've done. Yeah, he is a great work here for us, but I, I think even more monumental and landmark work for uh, DC. And if you if you don't know who Denny O'Neill is, like you can read a lot of remembrances and see the impact that he's had. He quite literally wrote the book on how to write for DC, which yeah. is a wild thing. You know, working with Frank Miller on Daredevil, he has some amazing stories for us through multiple decades. 
I, I just watching a lot of comic pros like yourself, like remembering him and the impact that his work had on them. And then even personally, like he mentored so many people in I the comics. I saw that. Industry. I saw that. Uh, that's just the way he, you know, just helping other artists. It's, I think that's one thing I love about comics is that, you know, these grown people, men and women who work on the comics and then when you love them, they pull down to bring you up. They go, no, no, if you're going to do it, let's do it right. And they bring you up. And it's it's just a really, really cool thing. It's just a pay it forward type of industry. And Denny was one of those guys. Hell yeah. All right. Let's continue talking about comics uh, because in September we have a whole bunch of new comics coming out. A lot of stuff to talk about. Some really great launches. Uh, let's start with Iron Man number one, which is written by Christopher Cantwell, who you may know as the writer of TV's Halt and Catch Fire, as well as the Eisner nominated Doctor Doom which is dope. Art is going to be by Kafu, who has most recently done Jane Foster Valkyrie. It's going to have covers by Alex Ross. This is going to be really cool. You got an all new suit design by Alex Ross. Whoa. It's sort of, oh yeah, bringing Iron Man in a in like a back to basics-y type thing where he has to sort of get his hands dirty and figure out who he is, what he is, what his purpose is. Um, but I, I love what Christopher Cantwell has been doing with Doctor Doom, so I'm very excited to see how he handles Iron Man here. Plus... I saw on the cover and on the interiors, one of my favorite, most ridiculous Iron Man villains, the Unicorn. <laughs> the unicorn, bro. He is bonkers. He's got a big old thing on his head and he shoots a beam and he's just, he's so weird. But Alex Ross loves painting Unicorn. I just, and I I love it. I love the Unicorn. I love Alex Ross painting Unicorn. I love Alex Ross painting. So good. That was my Christmas present uh, was the uh, Alex Ross Marvel book. The family got that for me because nice. they, they knew I loved it. I am very excited about this. My wife's a very tall girl, so I got a thing <laughs> for the, you know, full-figured ladies. But Immortal She-Hulk is coming out. So, uh, you know, I've always been a fan of hers. So this one shot spinning out of Empire by Al Ewing and John Davis Hunt. But this is an entirely different take on the character, but one that's rooted in some key elements of the character's past. Jin's origins are being re-examined, which I'm really excited to see where they're going to take that. Her experiences are re-examined. Her relationships with other heroes are re-examined. This is going to be like a great moment to like just see She-Hulk in a different light. So big development for She-Hulk and Empire. I cannot wait. Yeah. Immortal Hulk is so good. And like seeing what Al and, and the other creators do with the various Gamma characters, there's an mm -hmm. issue that comes out. I think it's next week for everybody. It's the next issue of Immortal Hulk is all about the leader and sort of re-examining Samuel Stearns, the leader in the like sort of the zone of the immortal hulk storylines and and what yeah. what they've been doing there and it's so freaking good so to see how they handle jennifer walters like i can't wait yes yeah, so this is gonna be good yeah also in september it is the return of the green goblin which you can't keep a horrible terrifying <laughs> monster down it's going to be in the oversized amazing spider-man number 850 which is going to have sort of a, a big climactic chapter in the battle between spidey and the goblin and you know we have norman he's back as the green goblin in this issue yes Ugh. he's one of my favorite villains but just the worst 
the worst. Uh, <laughs> written by Nick Spencer. It's going to have art by Ryan Otley and Umberto Ramos and Mark Bagley. It's going to have additional stories in there by Trad Moore, who uh, you may remember from Silver Surfer Black. Saladin Ahmed, who's been doing Miles Morales Spider-Man. Aaron Cooter, who's been working on Ghost Rider and Fantastic Four. Kurt Busiek of Marvels. And Chris Bacciolo of, like, some of the best comics ever. So... This is going to be a huge issue, and that is in September. Amazing Spider-Man number 850. So th- talk about huge. James, do you like X-Men crossovers? I love X-Men crossovers. Hold on to your hat. We're <laughs> going to be talking about Ten of Swords. It says X, but it's actually pronounced Ten because it's a Jonathan Hickman joint. Of course. This is, this is a huge X-Men crossover. 22 parts in all. It is told like in the tradition of, think of my favorite story of all time, Executioner Song or Messiah Complex yes. or Extinction Agenda. So you, you go from book to book to book going through each chapters and it's going to be, you know, it's sort of growing out of what Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard have been doing in their X-Men and Excalibur books. And it also like it just like, comes to a head in September, starting into the the crossover. There's actually a free comic book day issue that will be the first look at this story. And we're going to talk about free comic book day in a little bit. Then you get into September and you're going to start with the prelude issues. So you get Excalibur number 12 and X-Men number 12, both coming out in September. Those are not numbered, but they are preludes to Ten of Swords. Yeah. Then the first two official numbered chapters are Ten of Swords, Creation number one, and X-Factor number four. This is going to be a big one. It's been in the works for a long, long time. I remember the like the creators talking about these plans and what they're doing for, man, for at least a year plus. So it's very exciting. Okay. Plus there's uh, Shang-Chi number one, Black Widow number one, Juggernaut number one, Marvel Zombies Resurrection number one, and two, plus Rise of Ultraman number one. So we have got some big comic books coming out. Yeah, uh, look, I I got to talk about Rise of Ultraman number one because Go ahead. I am so freaking hyped for this. I am going to like do, ju- I was going to say jumping jacks, but that's not, what, what do you do when you flip around? Yeah, the cartwheels. Cartwheels. I'm going to do cartwheels because of this well, one. Did you watch Ultraman as a kid? Uh, not as a kid, as I got a little bit older. As, as a kid, I used to, it, we used to come on when I was in California, back on Channel 2 in the afternoon, Ultraman would come on. And I remember as as a young as a young adult seeing Power Rangers going, what, what, are, they, what are they doing? Just trying to redo <laughs> Ultraman? Because, but Ultraman was so, so cool. Also, um, just a, the fact that he, I nerded out when he showed up in Ready Player One. <laughs> At least the novel, not the movie, the novel. And so this is a great character. I love Ultraman. It's, this is going to be fun. Hell yeah. So this is sort of Marvel working with Tsuburaya Productions to reimagine the classic beginnings of Ultraman. And we talked about our boy, Alex Ross. He's on this. He's on covers for, of course for he this. Is. Of course he is. And you talked about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Well, Kyle Higgins, who wrote Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for a bunch of years, the comics, to... Lots of critical acclaim. He's writing this along with yes. Matt Groom. Kyle most recently did a Winter Soldier story for us, which was really good. And then they're working with artists Francesco Mana and Michael Cho and Gurihiru to just tell these stories, which is going to be really cool. We're going to be looking at like the kaiju that are part of this and getting into the United Science Patrol and, you know, Ultraman and what he is and Man, I'm so excited. If you've never watched, if you never watched this, it's so good. There's so good. Um, a bunch of great, re- like recent releases on DVD and Blu-ray of the first, 
like four Ultraman series. Yeah. And and they're done in like chunks. So it's like you have Ultraman and then Ultraman 7, Ultraman 0, like different versions because it's to get into the continuity would be it, it's 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 kind of hard because there there's different there's different timelines, different people who yep. pick up the mantle, you know, yeah. or pick the stick to do it. So the capsule I should say. Yeah. So it's it's going to be yeah, you can't really talk about it, but trust me, guys, look at look into it. You'll you'll probably go down an Ultraman rabbit hole and can't wait to get out. But if, if you like superheroes, like you're gonna He's, like Ultraman. Yeah, you're gonna love it. Um, so those are like some of the comics in September. We have an episode of Marvel's Pull List that went out this week that talks about some of those. September's gonna be good. I feel like we're getting back to some semblance of normalcy, at least with our comics, which I appreciate. Yeah. Before we go on, here's another message from one of our sponsors. New monthly rewards have just arrived in Marvel Insider. Marvel Insider rewards you for doing the things you already do as a Marvel fan. Be sure to log in at marvel.com and check them out. There's new digital comics, digital wallpapers, and more. While you're there, check out how to earn points to be able to redeem more rewards. If you're not an insider, you can join today at marvel.com insider. One of my favorite days of the year is uh, free comic book day. Because although I'm an adult and have a job, I like free stuff. And so free comic book day 2020, free comic book day 2020 X-Men is going to be available July 15th. Brand new X-Men story by Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz. It's going to be fun leading into the game changing 10 of swords crossover. As as you heard um, Ryan just talk all about it. So this is the second story and will also foreshadow an upcoming epic battle by Tom Taylor and Ivan Coelho. And then, if you couldn't get enough, Free Comic Book Day on July 15th. Free Comic Book Part 2 happens July 22nd, which is Free Comic Book Day 2020, Spider-Man Venom. Mm. Uh, And this one is awesome because you get tales that are connected to storylines in Venom and Amazing Spider-Man and Black Cat. Creators include Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, Jed McKay, Patrick Gleason, and more. Originally, of course, Free Comic Book Day is usually in May. It's usually the first Saturday in May. Uh, But with everything going on, got pushed back. But it's not forgotten. We're just getting it a little bit later, and it makes the summer so much sweeter. I love it. Yeah. Free comic book day. Yeah. All right. James, have you heard about Deadpool's head? I, I honestly could say I have not. Please, please inform me. The hold on one second. I knew you. I, I, I just had a feeling. I said, he's going to come back here with a head, isn't he? <coughs> Thanks for pushing no! my buttons. You really know how to turn me on. Yes, Deadpool's head is real. It's Marvel Legends Deadpool's premium interactive head too. He's very talkative. It's the premium interactive head. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Shut up, Ronaldo. (laughs) I'm trying to get to know Bob. Wow. I have to put him aside for a second. Uh, the pre-order started at 12.01 a.m. on Wednesday this week. Uh, you can go to HasbroPulse.com to pre-order. Uh, actually, me and Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sobolski did the reveal of the head on Hasbro Pulse. You can watch an episode of Earth's Mightiest Show where we do some fun stuff with the head. Uh, we're going to have some head action uh, here on This Week in Marvel. And I've been playing with it. The baby is slightly confused by it. There's an app that you download to your phone that works with the head. And then they just, they interact. You can have it. There's like a whole prank section where you can put it in the fridge and have it set up to be refrigerator prank mode. And so if somebody doesn't know it's there and they open up the oh, fridge door and then it like reacts to them. That is and it's, so 
Tremendous. Wonderful and awful at the same time. And I love that you have it. I love that you already have it. That is so great, man. Yeah, it is. It's pretty great. It's it's something special. I think the it retails, it's going to cost about $99.99. It's wild. It's the, the team who's been doing it has been working on it for a long time. And speaking of the team who's been working on it, we have one of those guys here on the show this week. It is one of my very good friends, Mr. Jesse Falcon, who we've had him on the show before. He has been uh, sort of the mastermind behind Marvel Legends. He has worked at Marvel in some capacity for 25 years, 26 years at this point, something like that. And so the Deadpool head uh, is been like one of his babies over the last couple of years, him working with the amazing people at Hasbro with folks like Jerry Duggan, uh, other people who are just coming up with making this thing as fun and as weird and as perfectly Deadpool as they could. (laughs) I can't believe it exists. I'm so happy that it exists. And it's just, it's one of those wonderful, weird things that 10 years from now, we're going to be like, man, the Deadpool head was great. Yeah. I think, did you have one? No, nah, my, my wife wouldn't let me get one. Because I can honestly <laughs> tell you right now, my wife would not let me get one. She loves Deadpool, <laughs> but there's no way she's going to let me have a Deadpool head in the house. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe I could, what I could do is I could give it to her for Christmas. And then all of a sudden it's there. So now I can Oh, so you're going to Homer Simpson it? Yes, you're totally. Gonna... <laughs> it's like, I got you this, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. I like that that attitude. I, look, I, hopefully, if anybody else wants it, make sure you go to HasbroPulse.com, pre-order your Marvel Legends Deadpool's premium interactive head right now. Uh, so now me and our other twin co-host, Lorraine, we get to learn a lot more about Deadpool's head and so much more from our friend, Jesse Falcon. Jesse, hi. How the hell are you? I'm great, Ryan. Thank yeah. you guys for having me back. Oh my gosh, you guys. We have been friends with Jesse for way too long, and we're super excited to have you on the podcast. Can you tell us your Marvel origin story? Because you've been with us quite a long time. Yeah, 1991, I interned at Marvel. Uh, That's wild. I was I was not doing well in college, and uh, <laughs> I had to figure out uh, what I was going to do afterwards, and I got this internship, and the moment I walked into Marvel and saw how incredible it was, I mean... I was digesting so much visual information that when I was done and I left for my interview, I immediately like passed out. I fell asleep. I was just like so exhausted. And I just knew this was like it had this energy and this vibe that they had kind of been selling me since I was a kid reading all the editor's notes and all the other the way that Marvel has the tendency to you know, mythologize itself. Uh, it, it all came true that day, and it was all real. Uh, it's like the bull- bullpen bulletins, and you're like, oh, they're, they're the actual goofballs yeah. that they talk yeah, about. Yeah, it was. You're like, was, there's a hippo in a yeah. tutu back here. Oh, 100%. <laughs> it was magical. It was like the episode of The Simpsons when Bart goes to New York City and he goes to the Mad Magazine offices. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was that kind of moment. So I got an internship at Marvel in 91, and then the contacts that I made there were like, as soon as you get out of college, we'll help get you on what board. What department here. were you interning? I was in direct sales, but. A lot of the editors and people, you know, that were components of the company then are still components of the company now, which I think speaks volumes. Yeah. And then after I graduated from college, I moved to New York City and I got a job working for a company called Toy Biz. And for the first year and a half, Toy Biz and Marvel were kind of like sister companies. They had this agreement. Where was this? This is 1994. I was hired by Toy Biz. And then very soon after I had been hired by Toy Biz, Toy Biz bought Marvel out of bankruptcy. And that kicked off uh, this incredible run that we are still 
in the middle of where all the deals that had been made previously for films went blank slate so we could start that process over. The X-Men movie happened. The Spider-Man movie happened. We had the Blade movies happen before then. And uh, the Toy Biz team was a big part of that because we were merchandising all of these uh, films. So so I've been here for a long time and I've seen this company change a great deal, all in amazing positive directions. And it is as fun today as it was 26 years ago when I started working here. Yeah. So how long have you been with Marvel proper then? Uh, well, since 91, I suppose, but I don't really count the internship. So since 94, so it's 26 years. It's pretty amazing. I remember your office used to be right outside my office in two buildings ago. Mm-hmm. And so you would always have like weird wrestling figures around from the Toy Biz days. And it was cool. It was just like the expansive possibilities of the toys that you guys made was wild. Yeah, it was, Toy Biz was an incredible company because we were super tight. We were like, I mean, 30 people. And because of that, you got your hands in everything, in the development, in the sales of the toys, in, you know, going to Bentonville, selling the toys into retail, going to China to get the stuff make, to make sure that it works the way that you designed it to work. So it was a really incredible soup to nuts education and toy making and uh, like Lord of the Rings was another big property that we got on top of all the Marvel stuff because we were making all the Marvel movies and all the classic stuff but lots of other fun licenses to work on too. You gave me a giant tree beard once uh, and he still sits (laughs) in my living room Yeah, I love that tree beard that you just made. That's a great awesome toy. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what are you doing now? What's your what's your current role? So I oversee uh, product development for Marvel for all of our consumer products worldwide. And I'm located out in Glendale uh, because Glendale has this big campus. I'm actually technically an Imagineer now. Really? Uh, yeah. So which is awesome. I can't do the magic twinkly thing out of my finger yeah, yet. Yeah, but you but, get oh. to punch one person in the face per day and they turn into like pixie dust. Oh, and little birds stripped. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that yeah. One, only once though. Yeah. I didn't realize it was punch. I thought it was just if I waved no, my finger in the air that like pixie dust would come out of it. And I've be been there. doing it wrong. Uh, so we're on a giant campus with all of the other Disney teams that develop consumer products. And uh, I've got an awesome team and all the toys that you see, you know, Hasbro, Lego, Funko, Hot Toys, you name it, Mattel, uh, we work with all those teams and we get all that product out. And, you know, obviously the entertainment is a big driver for consumer products and our entertainment slate is robust, <laughs> <laughs> to to say the very least. It's, it's actually incredible how much stuff is coming out and it's super exciting being a fan, working on all this stuff on top of, you know, all the video games and all of the comic books and all of the other lines of content that Marvel's generating. So what's the process like just creating the usual toy? Like what's the normal process? How does, where do you start and where do you get to? So for like a film like Avengers Endgame, which we knew was going to be, you know, very big. We knew we're going to have a lot of toy support. It's getting debriefed by the content developers, by our filmmakers, like what this film is about. Like what are the things that they think would be okay for us to leverage before the movie comes out? And what things that they want us to save for after the film comes out? Because that's a big part of like making sure that uh, everybody is lined up with directionally our guardrails that we put together so that we're making the right thing. Uh, And then we get assets from those teams as they're developed. We will, if need be, set up a set visit. We did that for the Hot Toys team for Endgame. That was an incredible day. We were down there November 17th. I remember it because that was the day that we announced that we were buying Fox. Uh, (laughs) um, It was on the plane. I was like, I got off the plane, landed. I was like, oh, wow, this is happening. And uh, we were there when they were shooting the final battle. So everybody was there. It was so cool. And it was was cool because it's like there's Chadwick Boseman in his full Black Panther outfit, and there's Chris Pratt in his full 
Star-Lord outfit, and then there's Robert Downey Jr. in his PJs, and, <laughs> and Tom Holland in his PJs, because they're wearing mocap suits, just because of the way that those, it's, it's you know, they get more fluidity out of their movement, uh, and that's how they put the stuff together. So we had to watch them shoot it, and they they shot a scene that never made it to the final cut either, so it was like, we got to see, like, bonus footage. That's awesome. <laughs> And then there are stages for development. So they'll throw – our partners will throw a concept in. They'll uh, – typically a sculpt stage, a decoration stage, and then pre-production packaging. And then we're off to the races. So you just talked about, you know, the stuff for the movies. But yeah. we also – you're an amazing champion for everything across Marvel history, whether it's something like, you know, the movies or obscure characters in the comics or the greatest television show ever created <laughs> – Spider-Man from Toei in Japan, which is getting a figure, an yes. actual amazing yeah. figure from Bandai mm -hmm. and the SH Figure Arts line, yeah. which looks so cool. How does something like that come together? Uh, lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> lawyers come together and they agree that we can do it. And then we go and do it. Uh, it was really interesting because we'd started this process and then uh, we, we stopped it and then we started back up again. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity for us to partner with Bandai. They're such a great partner. They do incredible work. The quality that they put into their products are uh, literally some of the best action figures that are put in the marketplace. I'm jealous that I don't live in Japan uh, to get some of these things more often. But it's it's really exciting that they took a real deep cut here and did the Tohei Studios version of Spider-Man from the 1970s TV show. Uh, so yeah, um, so we have these opportunities where we'll we'll chase these the biggest entertainment properties literally in the world uh, for the right partner in the right place. We we can go and get really you know crunchy. Like for instance, last year Mattel made the Tohei Spider-Man vehicle, the the car. Because if you've if you've seen the show, it really establishes the kind of structure that Japanese children's entertainment is very uh, known for, which is you have a character who's life size, uh, and he puts on a suit. There's kind of like a, a secret identity formula, and there's a, there's a device by which he gets the suit on, which this is something that happened with Kamen Rider and happened with uh, Power Rangers. And but this is before that. 100%. Like, this is establishing it's, it's, all it that. It built all of that yeah. structure. Uh, and then there's a vehicle. Uh, he must uh, get into a vehicle. He has to have a weapon. And then that vehicle then has to go and get into a large robot. Because at some <laughs> point at the end of the show, the bad guy will either summon a huge monster to destroy the, the city or will become that huge monster and Spider-Man needs to turn into this uh, lion's sword. What's the, uh, what's the um, name of the robot? Uh, Leo Perdon. Thank you. Yes, it's hard to retain every single detail. Yeah, Marveler uh, turns to gets into Leo Perdon. Thank you. I do glory. love when he puts on the suit and the suit flies through the air completely flat yes. at his body <laughs> yes. and it lands on him. Yes. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, like when we were kids, you know, we were watching Star Trek and like they'd have a tricorder or they'd have like a, you know, they have the, the communicator. And now it's like we have all of those things. That's the piece of technology I'm waiting for <laughs> science fiction to bring to real life is like just put my clothes into a device where it just puts it on my body. <laughs> Give it time. Yeah. Give it time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you also are like so prolific in your deep cuts that you've brought to toys because I didn't – Ryan told me this actually. You were one of the original creators of the Marvel Legends line. Is that true? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, we so we had taken right before the Spider-Man movie came out, and we had been for years like hearing because I was working at Toy Biz when James Cameron was working on his version of Spider-Man, and the Toy Biz office was very intimate. Uh, so um, I I got to Avi Arad was sitting there, who's the producer of all the Spider-Man movies, and I, we would we would listen to Avi have these conversations. And be like, oh man, this is this is really real. It's going to happen because for years we've been hearing that the Spider-Man movie was eminent, and you know you see movies like Superman and Batman come out, and they're giant successes. We're like, well. What? What? Spider-Man? Yes, Stan, Stan would write about them in yeah. the comics, and you'd be like, oh, there's updates. Yes, yes. So 
when James Cameron was involved, we were like, wow, this is really going to happen. But as we got very close, I remember Avi telling me that they had hired Sam Raimi to direct. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like, I'm like crying. I'm like, Sam Raimi's <laughs> going to do a Spider-Man movie? This is incredible. So for a year before that movie came out, we decided not to make any Spider-Man product because when the movie product came out, we wanted to have like a clean runway. So we didn't make any kids' product. But in that year, Joanne, my boss, Joanne McLaughlin, who has been my boss for these 26 years. Who's still here as well. Yes, and is like a giant in the toy industry. She's she's an amazing woman, an amazing person. She challenged me. She's like, listen, I need you to come up with like a collectibles line. Because we don't want to not have Spider-Man product in the marketplace, but we don't want it to be just for kids. So I was coming back from San Diego Comic-Con, and I was looking at a lot of the 12-inch action figures at the time. They were super articulated. And I was like, you know what? I think we can take this body and shrink it down to six inches, which everything that we had been doing up until that point was at a five inch scale. So we're like, make it a little bit bigger. And I think we can get all of this movement and, and have it work. And that was the cool thing about these 12 inch bodies is they could, they could literally pose just like a, like a human body could. And we did it and it worked. And I remember getting the test shots and I'm like posing it and like taking a pictures with this giant <laughs> digital camera. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like, this is something fun. We put a comic book in there. We put a base in there. And the line uh, hit, and it did incredibly well. And we're like, oh, this is interesting. So this might be something. So we did a couple waves of that. And then we're like, well, why don't we just open this up to all of Marvel and call it Marvel Legends? In fact, the name was Joanne's idea. And uh, the rest is history. It did super well. So that line's now been around for almost 20 years. And it's a huge part of what Hasbro does now for the Marvel side of the business. And and what's really been great about Legends is we have multiple price points that we can we can sell this at. It's not just, you know, the 1999 Build-A-Figure waves that we do. We also have store exclusives. We have stuff that we've been doing now that's been incredibly successful. That is life-size replicas. There's some of them in this room. The Captain America's shield, Thor's hammer, Black Panther's helmet, uh, all of them with lights and sound features. One of the ones that has been the biggest sellers for us are the Infinity Gauntlets, the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet and then the Nano Gauntlet that Tony develops for Endgame. But the new item that we have that we're going to talk about right now is uh, from the jerks that brought you, Marvel Legends. It is such an awesome concept. The, the, The team that developed this actually brought it to us at Hasbro and... We have these biannual meetings with Hasbro that are like four days long because they're a big partner of ours and we want to make sure that we're aligned. There's a lot of things that go over. And during this presentation every year, there's a, the kind of a show and tell. where We look at product and we, we discuss product. And uh, at one point, like two years ago, this team came in. They had a silver platter and there was a black cloth draped over it. And it almost looked like there was, you know, something head-sized. And they put it on the table and we're like, what is this? And they're like, we don't, we want to show this item to you. And they took the cloth off and it was the decapitated head of Deadpool. Hi, I'm Deadpool's head. Not to be confused with Headpool, different guy. Um, And it was app-enabled. It's fully animatronic. It's got lights and sound sensors. It's an incredible item. It's super funny. So when, when we got into the development, we are like, we really need to put a script together that will have, you know, jokes and songs and components of this that will, you know, give you four plus hours of content that you can activate through your phone. Oh, you're using my app. See anything you like? So we hired uh, a bunch of comedians. We had a whole host of other uh, really, really fun, funny people that were a combination of toy designers, comedians, and comic book writers uh, all in the room. And it, it's, an, it's an incredible product. And um, so, yeah, we're excited. Four plus hours of content. Yeah. Like you say that and you think, all right, a movie's like two. No, no, no. But the way you're going to interact with this, 
you're not going to see that in any single setting. You're not yeah. going to experience that unless you, you really take a lot of time seeing all this stuff. Uh, can you give us some examples of sure. some of the fun stuff that's in there? So you can put it in a dark place that you know will light up like your refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> and uh, when someone else opens the fridge, the light that goes on will activate the light sensor, and he'll say stuff like, is it weird that I'm not the only decapitated mutant in your fridge? Uh, <laughs> or will comment on your you know, food selection. There is a really interesting relationship between the user, who is the person that has purchased this item, and the device itself, because the Deadpool's head was going to want to get to know you. Pleasure to meet you, Bob. Look, Bob, just because I don't have a body doesn't mean we can't have some fun. You could pick me up, Shake me, smack me up, flip me, and rub me down. Go ahead. Give me a whirl. And and we have a lot of potential ideas to do follow-ups to this, too. So if this performs well, there are other things that we want to unlock in the future that we are very excited to. One of the things that's so crazy, just getting to see it a little bit, is the actual movement of the head seems yeah. so unreal. It's, like, very extremely lifelike. Yeah. You think just because I don't have a body, I can't kick your well, let's dance. Do you know how that process came about to even work on that? Or did they come with it fully articulated like that? No. So the, the team that developed that had done uh, some a lot of work for, the, for, the, for Furby, which if you've seen some of the new mm -hmm. Furby stuff, it has a great deal of high fidelity animatronics that you can buy at retail. And then they also looked at technology that they developed for their For Real Friends line, which is a line of uh, animatronic plush uh, items for, for little kids. Um, uh, my friend has one named Laura Dern. It's a cat. <laughs> but does it look like Laura Dern? No, it's just a cat that she named Laura Dern. I, lo I love the idea. Her boyfriend wouldn't let her get a cat, so she got that. Yeah, that's great. And you can she actually, you can, you know, get a laser scan of Laura Dern's head, print it out in 3D, and put it on the cat's head. That's then a great that And no animals were harmed in the yeah, making exactly, of this Laura exactly. Dern. What X-Men universe is this? Yeah, so it's really interesting because some of the things that I try to pay attention to to help inspire me for my job are practical special effects. It was actually something I wanted to do when I was a kid, like be in the practical special effects world. And there's a bunch of really great companies in LA that have great social media presence. And if you look at the making of how they do, they bring some of these things to life. It's really fascinating. Rick Baker just came out with a great book called Metamorphosis, um, shows you a lot of that stuff. Um, there, there are uh, tons of different companies that have online presences, but that's a lot of the inspiration that we took into bringing this because some of this was inspired by the, the, the title sequence for the second Deadpool film where he blows himself up and the last thing you see before they go into the James Bond music video opening homage is his head cascading towards camera. So that was where the Hasbro team was like, oh, what if we did that as an item? So that's where their inspiration was. And, and you know, we, we all kind of chipped in and brought uh, our own two cents of this thing. And I'm super excited for the public to get uh, a taste of this because uh, it's a really fun item and we worked for a long time on it. Yeah. What I remember when you first told me about this, which is like a year and a half, however long ago it was, I was like, wait, what? I was so excited because it's something so yeah. different yeah. from anything you would expect yes. from our partners, from us, and it just it feels kind of perfect. Yes, 100%. Well, this is quite uplifting. The only item I've seen like this, and it's funny that this just popped up recently, They somebody made a bust of Elvis that sings Elvis songs, and it's got, it's you know, it's animatronic. 
there's a, like a plastic sleeve that goes over the face that like is the skin. Oh. And recently I saw somebody, <laughs> I saw somebody had ripped the sleeve off so you can see the animatronic skull underneath. And then he put the sleeve over his own face. Nope. And it's got like this giant hair that has not been like, per, like, like combed at all. And he's like, I don't know what's worse is this ske- the animatronic skeleton head or me wearing this mask. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm going to barf in my mask. <laughs> Uh, Jesse, you you live and breathe this stuff. What is the stuff that you collect that gets you excited for toys and for that kind of stuff? Um, it, it's it's weird. There, there are certain things that pop up from time to time. I'm like, oh, that's something that I definitely need. Or sometimes I'll buy something because I just want to see how they solve a problem. There are a lot of great action figure companies out there that make really unique items. Uh, Storm Collectibles is a great company that makes uh, Street Fighter characters. And the Street Fighter characters, if you look at them all next to each other as a silhouette, very similar to what we do from a standpoint of Marvel because there's, they've got like one character that's very slender. There's a giant dude. There's one guy whose arms stretch. And I just want to see how they've come to market with some of the size and articulation problems with with how you make something move but still retain the look that people expect it to have when they bring it home. But I think <laughs> the thing that I probably collect the most are, are comic books. Um, you know, I, I go to this awesome comic book store in Los Angeles called Secret Headquarters, and it's a really well-procured shop, and I like weird gross indie horror movie books <laughs> so yeah. stuff that is upsetting <laughs> <laughs> i like how deeply you smiled when you said that <laughs> oh you've got such a nice smile it's almost like you had a happy childhood jesse thank you for introducing us to deadpool's head because it was really fun it was my pleasure marvel's the x-men's deadpool presented by hasbro Before we let you go, is there something out there that you're working on, one of the teams, one of the partners that we have, that you're like, I want Marvel fans to check this out, like this line. I know Mezco does some really cool toys. Love Mezco. And they're they're, what is 112 uh, line. So cool and articulate. Is there something like that out there that you should? Yeah, Square Enix uh, has been a partner of ours for a long time. And the great thing about Square Enix, similarly to what Mezco does, is they kind of take our characters and reinterpret it through their own filter so that it's a unique aesthetic. You look at it and you know it's Spider-Man, but it, that's like their version of Spider-Man. Same thing with Mezco. Like, they'll take the, the Moon Knight that they just, the all-white Moon Knight that just came out. They added details and lines of the character uh, that aren't actually in the comic books, but, you know, make the figure look amazing. Um, so they're they're a great one. Uh, Bondi is, I mean, we have a lot of really great action figure partners out there that do super high-end stuff. Um, Funko, they're they're partnership has been incredible. There are almost too many to name. Obviously, our partners at Diamond have been doing great collectible stuff for us a long time. Hot Toys are one of my favorite teams to work with because they their attention to detail and commitment to quality is really intense. Uh, it's great. <laughs> they're they're an amazing company and and um, a lovelier group of people you will not find. Oh, Aww. Well, I think that's a nice way to end this one. Great. Thanks, Jess, for being on again. Guys, my pleasure. Oh, Lovely to see you both. All right, once again, big thanks to Jesse Falcon uh, for sharing the origins of Deadpool's head and his origins and so many more fun stories. Jesse's like one of my favorite people in the world. Have you ever met Jesse? I don't think so, no. I've heard the name many times, but I haven't ever met him. Yeah, you got to meet him sometime. Um, All right, it is time for our question of the week. So next week, our guests will be Al Ewing and Dan Slott, writers of Empire and obviously so many more. We've talked about them both a bunch this week. James, the question of the week that I'm thinking of mm-hmm. is because we're talking about Empire and Empire has the Cree and the Scroll, and of we're going to be talking to them about that. Uh, my question is, 
would you rather be a member of the Cree or the Skrull? So, listeners, you can use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Send us your answers uh, on social media. You can also email your answer to twimpodcast at marvel.com. You can send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. And I pose this question now to you, James. Would you rather be a Cree or a Skrull? That is very hard because it all depends on if you're thinking about the MCU or if you're thinking about the regular Marvel Universe. Because if you think about the Marvel Universe, of course, you know, the Skrulls are not exactly the most trustworthy people. I mean, they have done some horrible, crazy, they messed up Cap for me, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but then again, if you think of the movie, they're wonderful, you know, misunderstood people who, and then the Kree are bad. <laughs> so I think I'm gonna go with the, um, I'm gonna go with the regular Marvel universe, not the MCU, and I would say Kree, so I could, you know, have like cool, like Captain Marvel powers and stuff like that. Uh, the Kree are genocidal monsters. <laughs> you seriously messed up human being. Uh, uh, which they are, but I, I I find your your answer valid. I would go with the scroll. I want to shape change. I want to turn into yes, like but th- there's anything. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. But there's a moment of just being able to stand there and just be so almighty powerful. You could just like slap a dude and it's over. You know, <laughs> you scrolls they have like oh shape shift and hide. No, Kree just come down and fight's done. The sure, yes, of course. You know they took over planets and people, but they, you know there is some good in them. Wow. So this is, there are two sides to this debate. As you can see, <laughs> listeners, we want to hear from you again. Hashtag This Week in Marvel or twimpodcast at marvel.com. All right. That's our question of the week. But now we have some tweets from y'all for our community section. First up is John Swindle at the Swindler 90 who says, excellent list of reads on Marvel Unlimited. Go check it out. Glad Marvel put this out there and made it free. And this is, uh, of course, the big list of stories by Marvel's Black Storytellers that we made free and available on Marvel Unlimited. James, did you get a chance to take a look at this list? I did get a chance to take a look at this list and it's it's fantastic and amazing. And somehow I got the honor of being a part of it because I was a part of Marvel Voices, which is absolutely insane. But honored to be there with these, these landmark artists put this together and it's it's a great read i had had a wonderful i I actually sent this this link out to a bunch of my friends nice um aside from marvel's voices number one is there anything on this list that you would suggest just as a personal favorite uh storyline that you'd want to say hey check this out um honestly all of them (laughs) i'm not i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna pick just one especially in this day and time i was telling people i was like yo just read it all there's no just one just read them all and just enjoy the fact that you have these artists around and you may not have known they were around or if you did know go back and revisit and see what they did so that's i know it's a cop-out answer but that is the answer for me no i i I fully agree with it last week we uh me and lorraine and angelique gave some picks and i think this week i think i'm going to go back and reread the Deathlock by dwayne mcduffie and dennis cowan because i remember reading it as a kid but I think I will get a lot more out of it as an adult and seeing it through the eyes that I have now, especially in the time now. But also, Dwayne McDuffie is just... What the sigh I gave was one of those moments of just like taken away too soon and just one of the best writers around. And it's one of those moments where as, as an African-American man, there is a moment where you kind of wish that people would look at you and go, not see the color that you are. And Dwayne McDuffie is one of those guys where if people didn't know he was black, he would just be one of the greatest writers in comic history, at least in my opinion. So that, yeah, I, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And, and as you said, taken way too soon, man. Uh, 
Um, all right, we've got another tweet in here from Tony at T Bizzlesworth, who says, So happy to get a new Deadpool after a few months. This new run has been great, and now I can't get enough of Jeff the Landshark. I need to figure out what that is. <laughs> yeah, the, the new Deadpool run is real fun. Jeff is a baby land shark who just likes playing and biting things. <laughs> uh, we also have a tweet from Rogue Hero at Ambient Zombie Zero. Hello, Marvelites. I had this Spidey wall art for years, but just recently discovered that Spider-Man is posing like the hottest IG model in the game <laughs> up in the corner. Hashtag serving looks. Hashtag know your angles. Well done. It's... <laughs> So good, and it really is. It's a rogue hero shared a picture of uh, it's amazing Spider-Man 66 after Ditko's run, but using the Ditko corner box. At this point, John Romita Sr. was doing the art for the title, and I looked at it, and it looked to me like uh, Steve Ditko art. And so I, of course, enlisted the help of Tom Brevoort, executive editor, because, you know, if anybody's going to give me the, the full answer, it's going to be Tom. And Tom says yes. Reworked from the cover of Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Two, and then eventually redrawn by John Romita. Romita, Ditko, legends—some of the greatest in the game. All right, that that about wraps it up. James, you got anything to plug? Any any things that you're going to be appearing on? Cameos in in documentaries that you forget about? <laughs> anything else? No, you know, no. I am I am relaxing. I am uh, chilling right now. Um, I have a couple of. Uh, you can check my Instagram. I have a couple of plays that I might be doing. Um, some digit as a virtual plays. I got some things in the works that I can't talk about right now, but I'm working on them and very excited about them. And when once they come to fruition, trust me, you will hear it first on this show. Yeah, I like that. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Percy Verlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Deadpool's head for freaking out James Plenty. <laughs> Very true. Thanks again, James. Hopefully, we'll see you back again real soon. It feels good. The last couple of months, we've seen you yeah, here. Yeah, feels really good. Uh, we got to keep this on a reg. I, I, I Please to... let me let me know. I'm you know I'm I'm here. I'm writing. I'm singing. But I I am right by my microphone. So if you need me, call a brother. I like it. I'm Ryan. And I'm James. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>